Today we're going to talk about glory. When I say the word glory, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when I say the word glory? Oxford Dictionary defined glory in this way. Great success that brings somebody praise and honor and makes them famous. That's how Oxford defines glory. See, glory is what many people chase in their life. And I'm going to share with you one particular person that chased glory in all his life. And this boy was born and came from Plano, Texas, the United States. Let's see how far before you figure out who this guy is. He was chasing glory all his life, from very young age. By the, at the age of 13, he won the kids' triathlon in America. 13. As a teenager, he forged his birth certificate so that he could compete with the adults in triathlon because he was too young. And he was so good at it that he beat even the adults as a teen. At the age of 16, he was the number one ranked triathlete under 19 years old. At the age of 21, he switched to professional cycling. His career was on the rise and chasing his glory by the age of 21. I was... uh, only graduated from university at the age of 21. And when all seems going so well for him, at the age of 25, four years after he'd gone professional, he was diagnosed with stage 3 advanced testicular cancer in his life. And later, after they operated on that, they found that his cancer had spread to his limb nodes, lungs, brain, and abdomen. The doctors told him that he had 20% chance of survival, and they're lying because they just want to give him hope. The doctors did not believe that he will survive this because the cancer has advanced and has spread all over his body. But he was so determined, beating all the odds, he survived cancer, And chemotherapy ended December 96. So December 96, last chemo. January 97, a month later, he was back in training camp and riding 100 kilometers. And the following year, in 98, he began competing again. And in 99, he won his first Tour de France. Only two years after he returned from cancer. So, 99, he won his first Tour de France and he continued to win them seven years in a row. And if you don't know, Tour de France, uh, in my opinion, is the greatest sport there is in this world. Why? If you think about the Olympic, the Olympic lasts two weeks across multiple disciplines. Tour de France runs for three weeks with only two days rest in between, over 23 days. So you would ride every day over 3,500 kilometers every day with many 
steep mountain climbs. And this man won seven in a row after cancer. And he started a foundation that helps cancer survivors or even those who are fighting cancer. During that period, he was accused by many of using drugs, performance-enhancing drugs. They don't believe anyone who could uh, you know, have gone through so much in life, cancer and all, and not win just one. It's, it's, uh, it's something difficult to, to do. He, he won seven in a row. So he was accused of using performance-enhancing performance drug that he strongly denied throughout his career. He even counted sued those who accused of him. He said they smear his name, that kind of stuff. And he make it his mission not only to be the best at his chosen sport, but he make it his mission to destroy the lives of those who accuse him, including his teammates and friends. And he makes sure that happened. And three years after retirement, in 2008, he announced, so he retired in 2005, after his seventh uh, Tour de France. And three years later, he came out of retirement to compete again, professionally. And in 2009, he competed again in Tour de France, and he finished third overall. A few years later, after more and more past teammates, previous teammates accused him and testified against him for using performance-enhancing drug, in 2013, he admitted to using drugs. He was stripped of all his seven titles, and previous business partners, sponsors, started one by one, started suing him. In, in the latest documentary, he was asked, um, so who sued you after? He said, that's the wrong question. You should have asked, who didn't sue me? And his name is Lance Armstrong. The question is why? Someone obviously talented, who won triathlete when he was 13. He was 16, competed with the adults and beat them. Why did he do it, is the question. Why did he cheat? lie and destroy many lives, lives of those who loved him, close to him, have been protecting him. Why did he do that? Why did he make his mission to destroy them? Because he was on a mission, because he was chasing glory. Chasing glory. Before we were quick to judge him, Lance Armstrong, many of us does the same, maybe not in that kind of scale, Perhaps because maybe we are not as talented as Lance Armstrong. But we all do chase glory in life. From, from when we were very young, looking at my kids right now, children chase glory by seeking praise from their parents. Students seeking glory by seeking praise and approval from their teachers. From very young and then teenagers, as they grow up, what they chase after now, they chase praise from people that they don't even know from social media. When they wake up, they look for the approval from those who they didn't know in the form of likes on the Instagram and Facebook, TikTok, whatever they use. 
And in our career, we chase glory too, don't we? In our businesses, in our professional life, we chase glory. In our relationship, we do chase glory as well. We chase approval, praise from our partner. See, we all chase glory in this life, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And our passage today has something to teach us about this word or term called glory. We have said it last time, um, John 12 marks the last Passover for Jesus, the final Passover for Jesus. This is the third and final Passover for Jesus, and we look at that over 12 chapters. And from here on, nine chapters left, it's going to be only a couple of weeks of Jesus' life. And the gospel is going to get more intense, and we are going at a much faster pace. So far, throughout the book of John, what we have seen in terms of glory, Jesus said this. In chapter 2, verse 4, my hour has not yet come, Jesus said. And then in chapter 4, he said, the hour is coming. In chapter 5, he also said, an hour is coming about his glory. He said, it's not, come, it's not yet come, it's coming, it's coming. And then John, the writer, the evangelist who wrote this, also said in chapter 7 and chapter 8, his hour had not yet come. But now in chapter 12, finally, Jesus said in verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So what is so special about glory, we ask? Or to be glorified in this case. And why do we dedicate and pursue it with all our might and strength in our life to pursue this thing called glory, praise and honor and fame? We're going to look at under three headings this morning. The first one is the king of glory, the hour of glory, and the cause of glory. So the king of glory, let's look at verse 12 to 15. And let me read it for us again. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, this is a picture, Jesus entering Jerusalem to celebrate the final Passover in his life. They were quoting the people as they shouted, This is the king Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. They were quoting Psalm 118. And let me read for us what they are quoting. They're quoting this. Save us, we pray, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless, we bless you from the house of the Lord. That's what they were quoting as they lay down the palm branches so that the donkey that Jesus rode were, were riding um, on top of the palm branches. They were shouting and they were quoting this. So they're actually crying out for help. They're seeking a king. They have been waiting for a king that had been prophesied a long time ago. And they say, save us, we pray. Give us success. They're seeking glory, you see, from the king of Israel. They were under the oppressions of the Romans. 
They want a Savior. They want a Messiah who can save them. They say, save us, we pray. Give us success. How many of us pray like this? Save us, Lord. Give us success. Give me success. We're seeking glory in our own way. So save us, they shouted, but they did not understand what, what, what they were doing at that time with the plum branches and all this stuff. They, they did not understand. And the, and the evangelist John explained that to us. Even the disciples did not understand in verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, which means when Jesus was crucified, when he was dead and then resurrected, then they understood, right? But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things has been written about him and had been done to him. So only after Jesus was glorified, crucified on the cross, they remembered and understood what kind of a king Jesus is. They did not understand when it happened, but looking back, they remembered now what kind of a king Jesus is. Because Jesus is not the same like any other kings of Israel. Unlike other kings, Jesus is the king of glory. He said, the hour has come when your king will be glorified. He is the king of glory. What does it mean that Jesus is the king of glory? You see, our fear in this life is that we don't matter in this life. Deep down, if you dig deep enough, our fear in this life is that you will be forgotten by the people you love. That's our fear, that we do not matter, that we are forgotten. That's what our fear is. Therefore, we spend a lifetime chasing glory so that we are remembered and loved, treasured. The traditions like Chinese and some Asian tradition. Um, that would uh, put their parents' and grandparents' photos at home. And that is a must, because there's this sense of fear that they will be forgotten. We're all chasing glory. We wanna, because we want to leave a legacy. We want to leave a legacy, we want to be remembered. Just like Lance Armstrong, you see, we made it our mission to chase after glory. In other words, we all are glory chasers. Regardless of what you're chasing in this life, what is your priority in this life, we are all glory chasers. But for most of us, though, unfortunately, the glory that we are chasing, they are fleeting. They are fleeting glories. Let me ask you, have you been dissatisfied in life? Yes. Okay, if you lo live long enough, then you would say, yeah, I've, I've been disappointed in life. And... Or if you have felt something missing in your life, even though you've done everything seems to be okay, but you still feel dissatisfaction, that something is missing from your life. The message for us today is this. If that's you, the message for us today is this. Come to Jesus. He is, after all, the King of glory who could give you the glory that truly matters. You know, we, we seek something that matters to us, that matters in life, but only Jesus, the King of glory, can give us something that truly matters in life. So Jesus is the King of glory. Second point is that I want to talk about the hour of glory. He said the hour has come. 
in verse 23. Let's look at that again. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What does it mean? What does it mean that the hour has come? Finally, right? After 12 chapters, glory, well, the hour refers to the glory, and the glory, the hour and the glory refers to the crucifixion, the cross, the death of Christ. For Christians today, that might be a pretty thing, uh, a jewelry. Um, some of us perhaps even wear cross on our neck. Do you know that cross? It's death sentence. It's the worst kind of death. Imagine putting on your necklace, on your neck, electric chair. That's what it is. It's to kill the worst criminal. That's a cross. But we wear them, right? Because of what Christ has done for us. Imagine, can you imagine wearing an electric chair around your neck? Glory means death of Christ. And you say in verse 24, 25 in this way, Truly, truly, I say to you, that truly, truly, simply, the Greek words of that is amen, amen. That means this is true. Amen, amen, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will have his life, it, his life for eternal life. So to attain glory, the biblical principle is this. You must lose it. To gain glory, you must lose your life. Whoever loves it. See, we want our life to matter. We love our life too much. But Jesus said, you must lose it. You must hate your life. Because only then you will gain it. In other words, Jesus is saying, the king of glory must face death to receive his crown. To receive his glory. Now the question for you and me is this. We're all chasing glory. We are glory chasers. Are you willing? What, what are you willing to pay to gain that glory in your life? To chase that glory? What are you willing to sacrifice? Some of us, you are willing to sacrifice others for your glory. Let me say that again. For most people, we are willing to sacrifice others for your glory. But Christ said, you must sacrifice for others in the pursuit of your glory. Sacrifice for others or sacrifice others for your pursuit. See, we love this life too much. When Jesus said this, whoever loses his life, Whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, many Christians even don't believe in this because we still make our pursuit in life, our, our, our goal, our mission in life, to pursue glory at all costs. Instead of sacrificing for others, we sacrifice others for our glory's sake. You know what you've been missing in life, in this life? as you pursue glory after glory in your life? You know what you're missing? 
you're missing the point on how it is done. You need to lose it in order to gain it. You chase glory not by loving your life, but loving others more than your life. That's what Jesus said. You pursue it not by loving your life, but by loving others more than yourself. You don't use people and love money, but you use money and love people. That's what Jesus said. Chasing glory is chasing after what matters in this life. And what, is, what does truly matter in this life? The king of glory. Nothing else. So the thing that truly matters can only be pursued in, in what Jesus is saying here, sacrificially. There's no other way. The only thing that truly matters, glory, can only be pursued sacrificially. You don't sacrifice others. You don't use others. So glory chases, in other words, must pay the price. What are you willing to pay? So finally, the cost of glory. So if you've been chasing glory in your life, whatever that is, for you, each of us, it will be different, right? And that is your homework. If you don't know what are you chasing in this life, that is your homework, to, to dig deep. What are you longing for? What matters in your life? What are you chasing in this life? Whatever it is, there is a cost to pay. So the cost of glory is very expensive. Some of you have known that. Some of you have gone through that and experienced it, how expensive it is to chase your glory. For some people, it costs them a lot of money. If your glory is your beauty, your appearance, some people have spent loads of money going through plastic surgery after plastic surgery, making every inch, not inch, millimeters on their body to be perfect. Surgery after surgery, Botox after Botox. If you're chasing beauty, if beauty is your glory, then you will spend all your money to look beautiful. Some of us chasing different thing, success. If you're chasing success in life, in your career, then the price you have to pay oftentimes will be your family, your marriage, your friendship. Let me tell you another story about another man. This one is a lot shorter, and you would know right away who this guy is. He once scolded this man. He's so determined to chase glory in his life, he once scolded an employee for missing an event, a business event, to witness the birth of his first child. He scolded his employee. And this is what he said. This is no excuse. I'm extremely disappointed. You need to figure out where your priorities are. We are changing the world and changing history, and either you commit or you don't. So this man was scolded in that way for missing a business event because he attends to his wife for the birth of their first son or first child. And when an employee complained that they have been working too much, this is what he said, tell those people they will get to see their families a lot when we go bankrupt. This man is Elon Musk. What's the price you're willing to pay? We know what Elon Musk is willing to pay. 
He's willing to sacrifice others for his glory, his family, his time. To him, that is everything. See, we're all chasing glory, but there's a big difference between how Christians chase glory and non-Christian chase glory. Christians chase glory just like anyone else, but we do it differently. Christians sacrifice themselves for the sake of others. If you don't believe in Jesus, you chase glory by sacrificing others for your glory, for the sake of your fame and success and faith and whatever it is that you want in your life. John 12, 27, 28 says this. This is how it affects Jesus to chase glory. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it and I will glorify it again. So knowing the time has finally come for Jesus, that he's about to be crucified, he's about to be killed, he knows this. His soul was troubled, the Bible says, but he did not say to God, the Father, his Father, say, get me out of this. He didn't say that, did he? He said, let, let me read that again in verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? The answer is no. But for this purpose, he say, I have come to this hour. Unlike the Jews and the crowd, as they greeted Jesus, save us, rescue us. Jesus didn't plead to the Father, save me. Because Jesus said, I know, I have a mission. This is how I'm going to get my glory for this time, for this hour I have, I have come. That is to be sacrificed on the cross. That's what Jesus said. For this purpose I have come, to glorify your name. What a king we have. The king of glory. What a king. I hope we all see this. The contrast of Jesus, the king of glory, and any other kings in your life that you have seen. A king who doesn't abuse his power, a king who doesn't use a force, a king who doesn't force you and me to bow down and serve him. Instead, a king who voluntarily gave up his power, Philippians 3 says, he gave up his power, emptied himself of all the glories as he came down from heaven. He voluntarily laid down his life. What kind of a king laid down his life? The great King David, when his armies went out to war, he was standing in his balcony looking at the beautiful lady taking bath or taking shower. That's the great King David. Jesus is a different kind of a king. What a king he is. He laid down his life for his people. A king who didn't chase Glory, but gave up his glory. He came down to serve you and me by dying on the cross. And he says this in verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. 
Are you a Christian? Do you call yourself a Christian? Jesus said, if you serve me, if you love me, you must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, many Christians don't like this. Because to follow Christ, if you're going to read this verse in context, to follow Christ, and to, that means is to follow Him to the cross. To lay down your life. To sacrifice yourself for the sake of others, not to sacrifice others for the sake of yourself. You don't destroy people's lives. Like Lance Armstrong, pursuing his glory. The only way we can chase glory that truly matters in this life is when we understand how Jesus is the King of glory who sacrificed himself for your sake. That's the only way. There's no other way. See, the other, another word for glory is matter. We seek glory. We seek matters in this life. We want to be someone who is known. We want to be matted. Maybe not by everyone, but at least by this, the one closest to us. Perhaps our spouse, our children, our parents. Who are you seeking approval and praise and honor from? If that person is not Jesus, then it is fleeting and it's on shaky ground. If it's not Jesus, you'll be disappointed. Everything that we do, we must say this, for this purpose I have come, that is to glorify your name. That's how we pursue glory. For this purpose I have come, that is to glorify your name. So our pursuit for glory in this world, we all, we, we all are glory chasers, but our pursuit of glory is so much bigger than ourselves. It's so much bigger than this lifetime. Do you see? We have, we have limited us so small. We have given ourselves too little credit, not too, too much, but too little credit. We think we can only gain so much can do so much, but Jesus said you can do a lot more. Our glory does not end when you die in this lifetime, but Jesus created us, God created us for eternal life, forever and ever, not just for 80 years or 100 years. You got to dream bigger. One theologian say the, a lot of problem with Christianity, what Christians today, is not they are ambitious, but they are too small-minded. We are too small-minded. We are too easily pleased. When we get promotion in this life, we are pleased. When we get praise from our teacher or our parents, we are pleased. But Jesus said, you, you ought to aim so much bigger. Aim for the pleasure and the honor and praise from the King of glory who died for you. Aim there. So our pursuit of glory is so much bigger than what you perhaps and I perhaps been chasing all this time. And our pursuit is this, that is to glorify Jesus' name.
Are you ready for that? There's a cost to pay. There's a cross to bear. Let us pray.